Happy New Year's, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Tech Talk. Today, we're going to just give some of our predictions for 2021 and transition from there. So, Alyssa, 2021, what, what do you think is going to happen this year? Well, I mean, I feel like there's a long list of things <laughs> I can give you about things that I think will happen, slash just continuing on prior trends. But I think the biggest thing that's going to happen in 2021 is going to be the rise of data analytics on human behavior, as opposed to what I was accustomed to, slash you were accustomed to, slash many, many individuals were accustomed to prior to COVID, which was, you know, you're sitting in a room with an associate, with a client across from you, and you're reading their physical characteristics of their behavior. I think now as everything's moved virtually, you have all these data analytics that are tracking individuals. For one thing, you have something called voice over customer. It's called VOC, V-O-C. Um, and that's tracking customer sentiment, customer, customer behavior based off of patterns in their voice through call centers, which seems like it would be a reliable indicator, especially when it's going toward a call center. Because when you think about, you know, an individual trying to understand the behaviors of someone over the phone, just based off their voice, the influx of their voice, the tone of their voice, etc. Big data is probably going to do a better job of predicting what that behavior is going to look like after that call versus a human working in a call center. And you've seen the rise in calls towards call centers, towards customer service, etc., etc., in businesses. And so I think that that's going to be one of the biggest trends in 2021 is this development of data analytics for consumer behavior. So in 2021, I think cloud computing will be more prevalent than it is currently. It's already already pretty popular, and for a while, it's gonna it had been set to like change how we do things functionally as well as just make things more available all the time. And it's just the ability to host things on the internet at multiple locations rather than just one. And I'm not like too technically advanced to explain how it all works, but it's just essentially saying that different computers all around the world are hosting it more often than just having one central server hosting, um, let's say a website perchance. And that changes, it's changing a lot of things just at a fundamental level as well with how our computers are communicating with each other as well as with our phones. Um, Microsoft, Apple, Google, they all had um, projects going into working into cloud computing and Microsoft, I think, is trying to make um, cloud computing for playing video games, which is pretty cool. Same thing with Google. But I think that's going to be more popular with just a ton of things in general. And I don't know where else it can like, fundamentally change an industry. I think it will change playing games and just how computers communicate with each other in general. I think that both ties into, it both can tie into call centers too doing like data analytics on human behavior, consumer behavior habits, and in, integrating the cloud into that. Because, sorry, funny personal story here. I called the DMV the other day because I'm gonna say my wallet was stolen. That might not be true. I might've just lost it. But I called the DMV to try to get a duplicate license because I was ineligible to request one online. Couldn't tell you why. Um, <laughs> I don't have any convictions. It's probably just because you're young. Yeah, couldn't tell you the reason, but I called the DMV. I was on hold for four hours, four hours to ask this woman 
why I was unable to apply online. The response, I don't know. <laughs> and then I was saying, could I come in to, can I make an appointment to come in? No. So that was a little sticky. But the fact that I had to wait four hours and I've called multiple other services, like I have a website, different website for a nonprofit, and I called GoDaddy. That took me two hours on hold. It's like all of these call centers are being overloaded. And I think part of that is because it's a singular location for accepting those calls. And so from things I've read, it seems that there's going to be a transition to cloud in that space as well, because they need multiple sources to intercept these calls because they don't have enough capacity with the current bandwidth that they're using to intercept the number and the volume of calls that they're getting right now, especially amidst COVID when people can't walk into a store and ask these questions. So like data analytics involving customers listening to their sentiment of you talking to the operator, right? Yeah, that's part of it. I think there'll be the transition of the cloud in that space and also analytics in terms of not necessarily consumer, but any individual over the phone contacting a call center it doesn't necessarily need to be a consumer, but just to understand the behavior of humans over a virtual mechanism, whether it's over Zoom, which granted you could have like analyze bodily movements as well if it were visual, but over Zoom, over call centers for like service oriented businesses, anything, I think that people are gonna see a move to cloud to support the volume. And I think they're also gonna see this data analytics on human behavior. Okay, that makes more sense. I agree. I think more and more people are going to be staying online or doing stuff online because people don't want to meet. Or if they do, then... I mean, personally, yeah. I'd love to meet humans in real life. Oh, but... i love to too. <laughs> um, I think there will be a lot more infrastructure for setting up, analyzing the consumer or analyzing just human behavior, as you said, in terms of a website or... Yeah, we'll say in terms of website, they'll probably impl implement more into how long are people staying on pages. I know Google, the browser does that, Google Chrome, but like websites themselves, they'll get better at keeping track of where consumers are staying, what are they reading. Depending on what business you're in, you will track different metrics if they're interacting with this part of your site or not. And at a very like small business level, that will probably be used more or... I feel like the higher the tier of the company, they've already implemented this to some extent, if not developed, will develop more infrastructure to do it more. Because we are shifting online, there's more ways to draw on data, to collect data. It's always about how you collect it, what are you tracking, and I think it's going to come into play more. I think there's just going to be more ways to keep track of data. I think it's going to become increasingly less expensive, that kind of web traffic data analytics. I know that the first company that was really in the digital analytics website trafficking patterns was a company called Web Trends that I think was founded in the early 1990s. I want to say like somewhere between 90 to 95. It was early 90s though. Um, and... Uh, if you think about that like lifespan, it's been almost 25 plus years since that kind of technology has been available, that kind of AI has been available. And so I think that especially for small businesses, realizing how much they need it in a virtual world, that I agree. I think that as it becomes less and less expensive, as you know, the technology advances, mass produced, 
that small businesses will look into that. But I think it's also been around for a substantially longer period of time prior to COVID. Oh, yeah. Data analytics and monitoring websites and how they perform, it's been around, I, I'm going to say, for a long time. I don't know when exactly, but it, at least for a while. Google Chrome manages uh, so much about the user experience, and that's why it like, keeps you there. Or They find out how well the searcher likes the site and how well they interact with the site. Uh, there's a huge market in that alone. Search engine optimization, just like how well your site performs in Chrome, as well as just different browsers as well. And that does play a role in ranking in search, like whatever search query people type in, what are they looking for. Those metrics already apply to Chrome in the browser itself. Like I've done significant research and like this has already been in an effect since pre-COVID and even before since I've started researching it. Yeah, yes. I just looked it up. So Web Trends was founded in 93, and it does digital analytics, optimization, and software with e-commerce marketing. So that's been around a long time, but I really think that 2021 is going to be the advent of data analytics on virtual human behavior, which, granted, I could be wrong. It could have existed long before 2020, but I really think that even if it did exist, its presence was minimal. And after people have realized it's hard to read humans over a virtual mechanism, it is really hard. Like on Zoom, you can hear like both. I'm sure your professors have said it as well. My professors are like, I can't tell if you guys know what I'm saying. I can't read your body language. I have no idea if you can grasp this concept or not. So I just feel like the advent of this data analytics on human behavior, like sentiment analysis, not with typed words, but with the physical movements of bodies or the way that your voice is changing, the influx, the, I don't know, different pauses that you're taking. I think there's going to be this huge trend in analytics on that. I absolutely agree because I just know there is so many projects in the works with different companies around the U.S. And I know just like a personal project that I'm working on with some friends, we're trying to get together to manage user-to-user -user interaction and what we're analyzing there and all the things that they do during what time period and how that works. Just between users themselves, we tried to figure out every metric that we could count to see what we could actually collect between two people using a, an app. It would it'd be like over 300 uh, different variables of things we could track alone there's going to be a lot more people or a huge shift into finding new ways to collect data, just like VOC. Aside from, aside from all the data analytics, what else we have going on in 2021? We have the Olympics. The Olympics? The Olympics that were scheduled for 2020 are now supposedly going to happen in 2021. Okay. Whether that is realized or not, I think is still questionable, but it is intended to happen. Okay. I not too interested in the olympics i'm like sports I, basketball is my like go-to for sports but that's with the u.s ones that every year or every olympics if I, I feel like the most important part of the olympics is more about the international community coming together and this stance for unification which <laughs> in the current state of the world especially in terms of u.s politics i think unification is a pretty big theme going forward in the international community too 
And you've seen a trend towards that with COVID. You're like, we've got to help one another. Seen it in the stimulus package. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I think that that's really the biggest theme with the Olympics is that it's more than just sports. It's about this coming together of different cultures as well. What other events, sports events happened recently? For the first time in 119 years, the Rose Bowl, which is a bowl game in football, big <laughs> bowl game. I actually went to one that was Penn State versus USC. I go to USC. And it, I'm just going to say, like, sorry, it was the best game that I've been to in my entire life. Double overtime, USC was down, came back, won in double overtime. That's still pretty cool. Like, I'm not going to argue that's cool. It was, like, the coolest thing ever. And it was the year before I even got accepted to USC. So I was, like, waiting to be accepted. Um, and, yeah, that was one of the coolest things I've experienced in my life. <laughs> but for 119 years, the Rose Bowl game has been played in the Rose Bowl Stadium, it's UCLA's football stadium, in Pasadena, Los Angeles. For the first year in history, it was played in Texas because of a certain governor who Hayden and I have discussed previously who forbid their, I would say, extremely moderate request of having just 400 family members in that stadium. The capacity of that stadium is close to 20,000. And the request for it to be played in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena was to have 400 seats set aside for family members. Think about the spacing. Okay, honestly, I would have to be fact-checked on this. I'm not sure if it was Newsom or Mayor Garcetti, but they were denied the request, regardless, the two kind of go hand in hand. Um, But they were denied the request to have 400 family members in the stadium. So for the first time in history, the Rose Bowl game was played in Texas. There's a lot of shifting to Texas lately. I know Elon Musk is, like, big on that. Big on Elon Musk here. Just now. Yeah. <laughs> he's threatened California uh, to say he'll move out, and a lot of other people are moving to California, or moving out of California and into Texas. Um, it's a huge shift because no one likes taxes. They'll do things in their own best interest. Sorry, I need to <laughs> correct myself. It's a, it's a 91,000 capacity stadium. I was going to say, 20,000 actually seems low when I think about it. It's a 91,000 persons capacity stadium. 400 family, that's... Let that sink in for a moment. You can easily have 100 seats between people. But there's a huge shift going into, from leaving California into Texas, because taxes in California, they're not pretty. Um, Going to Texas, they're less. The basket of goods you would buy just in general for living in California is just higher than anywhere else. Maybe New York is it's worth more. But um just Texas is so cheap to live in. People love that. They want to pay less in general. When if they make the same amount of money and they're paying less, it's like you have more money. You you do have more money. You can spend it on whatever the heck you want. And I mean you think about yeah. Texas doesn't have state income tax. So you're only subject to federal income tax. Same with Washington. Washington's the same way. Oh, it sounds like a dream. Yeah. Living in Seattle is pretty fun with $16 minimum wage. The shift to Texas is an easy one to, like, realize. It's not hard to question why anyone would want to leave the state of California and move to a state like Texas. Geographically, like, California is an excellent state. We both live here. And, um... Like, I don't know. I like the state of California. Living here, it's fun. It's expensive, though. I'm not going to argue with that. And that's 
I think the core principle why companies as well as people are leaving California and going to Texas. You know, I saw this quote in the article. <laughs> <laughs> Aiden already knows what I'm going to say. Yeah. And I just cannot help but laugh at this. It's a good one. So Governor Newsom was quoted. Um, he was asked about, you know, the states like California. We have rising tax. We got traffic, fire season, power shortages. We've got a lot of problems happening despite tax increases. Funny how that doesn't solve everything. No. But regardless, ignore my sarcasm. Newsom had this response when he was asked about California becoming less business friendly. He said, I've experienced this stress and consternation. And I think Governor Brown said it best. Where the hell are you going to go? <laughs> really? Where the hell are you going to go? And the man that published this article said, this seems to be the philosophy of an abusive or neglectful spouse. You can't find anyone better than me. This is in Forbes, by the way. <laughs> Who wrote the article? Um, the man that wrote it, his name, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but it's Rob Askar. Okay. I would like to give props to him. I think this is not necessarily politically correct for Forbes, but it states the facts. I would say it's politically correct. Because... I'm sorry, the superiority complex to say, you to imply, you don't have anywhere else to go besides California. Where are you going to go? Really? Texas! <laughs> Texas! Example A! Texas is incredibly similar to California outside of just the high cost of living. Cost of living, that's what I was trying to look for earlier. And it's not just Texas, that's the thing. That's not the only place it's not. that these companies can move to to have a better economic position when it comes to maintaining their profit you've seen the move to texas i think that's gonna even widen out a bit more i feel like like you said washington i could see a move there as well you see a lot of the midwest states and the plain states i want to double check this but i've heard rumors that goldman is considering leaving new york to go to florida i was like baffled when i heard this i think bloomberg reported it oh it's it's tech it's their asset management operations so I believe that they would keep their investment banking division headquartered in New York, but shift their asset management management operations to Florida. But I still feel I honestly I can't talk on this because I don't know how having different or if they even are classified as different subsidiaries under Goldman. But I don't know how having different divisions in separate states would differentiate the um, state income taxes. I think you're taxed at the subsidiary. If they're their own individual company... You're... If they're independent entities. But I don't think that Goldman's wealth management operation or asset management operation is a distinct subsidiary. I would have to, yeah. to check myself on that. But that would be interesting if you had different subsidiary entities and so you disperse them across the nation while still maintaining... Your big, your big brand, your big marketing, which Goldman's your core product yeah, service. Yeah, Goldman's Goldman's big brand is their banking, investment banking. Yeah. So if they retain that brand image by having that division in New York, dispersing the other divisions, not the worst idea. We've we've debated this before, like Silicon Valley. Is it where is it going to be next? And Texas. You, we think Texas. You think Texas? I think. Uh, I think we insulted Kansas Texas. last time. Did we, we really say Kansas? No, we insulted Kansas. We're like, no, there's no, no way it can be Kansas. But these people are, I think they want, like, you know, an up-and-coming city. Yeah. And guess what an up-and-coming city is? Austin. Austin, Dallas. Austin. I would say Seattle. 
I, I agree with Seattle as well, but I think Austin is one of the biggest for businesses because it's extremely progressive. Like everyone thinks of California, what we're the free state, free thought, free ideas, blah, 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 because we have Silicon Valley. Yeah. So we always assert that we have this free flow of ideas, free spirit, but Granted, not all of Texas is like that, but Austin is really turning into that. It's really turning into this city in the midst of, you know, a red state that is this free flow of ideas, but it's still in a red state with minimal to non-existent taxes. Yeah. I think everyone's shifting right now. We have people leaving California to go to Texas. Supposedly, Goldman uh, may be leaving or the asset management uh, department of Goldman may be leaving. I think there's going to be a huge shift over the next, I, this isn't even a 2021 kind of prediction. This is like 2020s. Um, there's going to be a lot of people like hubs or centers moving. I think Seattle and Austin, they're going to grow. Seattle is going to be huge, more tech infrastructure. Austin, I don't know what specifically I, I, I can quote Austin being on, but I think a lot of companies are going to shift over to Texas. And I think the reason why people are leaving New York is the same reason why people are leaving California, high taxes. And Florida is the same time zone. So it's like a good way to keep everything kind of the same, just different location. Speaking of this movement to states with lower taxes, I've also seen, well, granted, I've not seen generally, I can't make the generalization, but in terms of just personal lives like I have multiple friends with grandparents or even parents that have decided to buy real estate in Florida or Texas or Missouri you know any of these states with low taxes and uh, what they do is they spend six months in a day in their other house they keep they keep a house in California like small house downsize a little bit but then they spend six months in a day does not have to be consecutively in the other state's house so that they're considered permanent residents of that house. They keep their house in California, but they're taxed, income tax-wise, on another state. Call that a scheme if you want. I think it's just being smart. <laughs> I, I agree. By law, you have to live there for six months plus. Six months in a day. Six months in a day. By law, that's what you have to do to be considered uh, a resident there. But you can... I don't know. I feel like if someone like lives there for three months, they can get away with just reporting it. I as mean, the, they live there. I think the government is very, very strict about it. Like they check your cell phone activity, like internet activity. But I still think there's ways to get around that. Just set up a VPN to exactly. <laughs> to the other location. Exactly, like your IP address. Yeah. Divert it. <laughs> Not that I like do these things. Don't (laughs) don't take any financial advice from us at this at this scale. Don't take this tax evasion advice. Yeah, like no, no, no. Yeah, Uh, don't take advice on at like stuff like this. Uh, Advice that I think we do have good advice sometimes. It's just like I can't explicitly say like good advice. Always a grain. Always a grain of salt. Especially when we're discussing potential not legal. I wouldn't say illegal. I would say questionably legal activities that others are possibly doing. Not an endorsement. No, we do not endorse any illegal activity at all to any capacity. Zero zilchinata. Speaking of illegal slightly not legal. Oh, slightly not legal? Possibly illegal, undetermined, questionable gray area activities. Pyramid schemes. Yes. Uh, I think most times 
most oftentimes they're legal. Ponzi schemes are completely illegal. 100% no. <laughs> Ponzi schemes are completely illegal. Pyramid schemes, on the other hand, sometimes legal. I'm pretty sure that they can be illegal. It depends on what you're uh, selling, what kind of like structures you make. But the reason why we want to talk about pyramid schemes today, and just like financial schemes in general, we'll talk about financial schemes all the time. I love those. But pyramid schemes. Recently, I learned someone I know personally investing in a pyramid scheme. They were really sold on the idea. They told me about it, and I was like, this is... Before that, I even got to say pyramid scheme. They stopped me and said, it's a Ponzi scheme. I know, a lot of people have told me this. And I was like, no, this is a pyramid scheme. You're absolutely wrong, because you are buying product, and then you're selling it. And then to defend themselves, they asked me if if I know what e-commerce is. And I was like, of course I know what e-commerce is. I literally help you with your finance and management homework. How are like I was kind of insulted once I learned that, but there's a huge like the internet is incredible because people are going to market and promote whatever financial schemes they're selling people, and I've this is only one person recently that I've known bought into a pyramid scheme, and they claim to have started to make some money. I don't think you should trust people on the internet, and that includes us right now. Don't buy anything from people on the internet, whether it be with actual money or buy into a system of belief psychologically. That's why I say you can listen to some of our financial advice. Sometimes it's pretty good. A good financial advice that I would like to give right now. Do not buy anything. People try to push on the internet unless... And recruit you to push it on other people. I mean, I think pyramid schemes are so tricky to identify because I, I've, I've been reading articles as well. And like, there has been one that's very prominent this year. It's called Blessing Loom. And honestly, I, I still am not aware of what the freaking product is. But I think that's where a pyramid scheme becomes a pyramid scheme is where it's not or it's minimally about the product or service. And it becomes entirely about recruiting people to make money. So it, I think in essence, it's the amount of money these marketers, etc., are making. The money they're making is not coming from selling products. Like the company is not making money. The company, quote unquote, is not making money selling a product or service. The money is coming from the pyramid scheme. It's not from the product or service. And I think that's what differentiates like a pyramid scheme from multi-level marketing. But I think the line is so thin and I think that it's increased tenfold in COVID as, you know, people are losing jobs or working from home. They're like, what can I do to make a few extra bucks? And a lot of people, they're on social media more often in COVID, not a lot to do during the day, and they get roped into trying to make these few extra bucks. But that requires (laughs) recruiting 10 more people to sell a product that may or not be legitimate. My favorite marketing phrase I've ever heard on all of these schemes. You're about to say entrepreneur. I, I was literally about to ah! say when, when someone claims they're an entrepreneur in, in their life and that they have taken financial freedom of their own lives, that is my favorite thing when people say, I take financial freedom in my own life. And people who sell marketing, uh, multi level marketing uh, companies, they sell pyramid schemes. They try and convince you that you will have financial freedom. They say, get out of that nine to five. And then they say, here, you can buy some of this product and sell it to people. I I love that phrase, financial freedom. Like, 
Absolutely. Everyone's going to be- want financial freedom. What does financial freedom really mean? Just more money in your in your life? The ability to make decisions not based on, not restricted by money? That, that's how I perceive it. And it is the best way to sell anything if you're trying to convince people to buy into your scheme. That is my favorite marketing ploy. I see it all the time. I love to see it. And I, it's sarcasm, by the way. I hate, like, I hate people who self-proclaimed entrepreneurs. I hate all of that. I think it's absolute nonsense, ridiculousness. I just love all the, like, flashy words. You do realize there are words. people that self-proclaim themselves as entrepreneurs that are entrepreneurs. Right? Oh, yeah. There, there's, like, actually real people who are self-proclaimed entrepreneurs, and they are, like... I think go. the definition of an entrepreneur is someone that creates their own product or service. I do not think it's... And granted, that might not be the definition of an entrepreneur. I don't know what the, like, legal definition of an entrepreneur is. But I think that is what should classify an individual as an entrepreneur. It's you have created a service or idea or product by yourself. It's not falling victim into the trap of someone else's idea. You're not an entrepreneur. You're not creating something independently. I think that being an entrepreneur requires creating something independently of others. In reality, if I think of an entrepreneur, I think of someone as a trailblazer of business. Agree. Someone who changes the industry, changes something, changes something that actually affects people. I would say Mark Zuckerberg, Steve Jobs, Elon Musk, the like fancy names everyone throws at you on these like Instagram accounts where they say, here are Warren Buffett advice. And that's like their Instagram account. They explain like entrepreneur quotes, the people that they quote I think those are entrepreneurs. The people that who actually run those accounts, not even close. I have real beef with anyone who's a self-proclaimed entrepreneur with that doesn't have functionality to back it up. They always try and sell something that will sell an online course, they'll teach you about drop shipping, they'll sell you beauty products so that you can sell those beauty products. Same thing with vitamins. The list goes on and on with all the things that you see on social media where they are pretending to be someone who has financial freedom and they advise you that you can achieve the same thing if you buy into them. Okay, my, like, this, I think this is the biggest pyramid scheme right now that is not classified as a pyramid scheme. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing this business right because I have not given it the time of day aside from looking up whether or not it's being classified as a pyramid scheme. <laughs> I think if it's saying it's not a pyramid scheme, it's that company oh, no, trying to protect it's themselves. It's saying it is. Okay. Um, besides the company. Uh, it's called Monet. It's like beauty products, cosmetics, hair products, etc., etc. The amount of women that went to my high school... They all are on Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, et cetera, et cetera, any, any form of social media, pushing these dang Monet products on everyone, not because they want to sell the products, but because they want you to sign up as a VIP member and recruit more individuals. And when you look at the bulk of the money they make, they put these, this, this girl, one of the girls that I know, she has this like little little calendar board where she shows every time she makes a hundred dollars like the date that she makes it and guess what she's making that from not selling products it's from recruiting people to sell products and that (laughs) is the defining trait of a pyramid scheme and i can guarantee that the money that that company is making is from people being forced to buy starter sets 
to recruit other people. So it's just like this long whirlwind and the people that are recruiters, marketers, quote unquote, entrepreneurs, making this money, working on their own time. They are not making money from selling the products. They are making money from recruiting individuals. And that's where I think the line between a pyramid scheme and multi-level marketing, that's where you cross it into being a pyramid scheme. When the money that is getting put into all these people's pockets is from recruitment and not from sales. Generally, I'm the type of person who, if I meet you in life, I want you to succeed. Even if I don't meet you, I want you to succeed. I pay attention to what everyone has going on in their life. If people start their own, start making music, if they start a blog, I, I had, the other day, I sat down for three hours looking at this person's blog. I hope they succeed. I want them to get an extensive career in journalism and in what they do. I help they all do well. I'm very attentive to just about everyone I know on social media. That includes Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, LinkedIn, LinkedIn being my favorite one. I genuinely pay attention to the people in my, you give me a face. I don't know if it's to me or- Just LinkedIn being your favorite. I'm all for networking, but you cannot tell me you sit on LinkedIn and you're like, oh my gosh, this person just posted about this new position they got with a fancy title that's actually sales. Sorry, I'm not I'm not condemning sales. <laughs> they are very important. They are very important, but when they're called global business development, wow, I think that the company that does this might know, but when it's called global business development and it's literally a sales representative, but it sounds fancy schmancy, I'm like, Is this Meh. a specific person we know? Yeah. Okay. And also a large company that yeah, yeah, yeah. classifies it as global business development. I, I know exactly what we're talking about. Because Again, you want to make people feel good about their position, but there's nothing wrong with being a sales representative. No. Why not call it what it is? I agree. Like, again, I'm paying, I pay attention to everything online, social, on social media. And on top of that, I pay attention to the comment section of just about everything. My ear is to the people. I'm, like, looping this back into keeping track of consumer behavior, how well people can do that over the phone or on Zoom, whatnot. I think because I do it just about in every part of my life, I've gotten pretty good at it. And I'm not going to say that people aren't good at it, but I think a machine can do better than me. In general, a machine can do better than me when it processes a million people per hour or per As an individual minutes. going into law... I uphold that there should be judges and not a computer deciding no, verdicts. I, I agree. In general, at a very general level, machine doing my job is excellent. However, a machine giving that information to a human to then, what does a human do with that? We A human still makes the final say-so what to do with all that information. It, it can analyze it, but it doesn't get to know what to do afterwards. And sure, we can develop computers to do that afterwards, but I think humans have the execution after receiving the data. And I, I'm executing after understanding what everyone is going, on, what everyone has going on. Once people, I see people discussing their financial schemes and what they got going on, then I execute. Then I say financial schemes are bad. Specifically. I must be saying this because I know people listening to me being curious about a financial scheme. I may say something because I know people have that thought in their head recently. With all the information that you can collect on consumer behavior, I believe 
people make the final say-so, not computers. So I think that's why we still have people. This is not a reason to have zero jobs and have the world run by computers. I know that's a common thing people want to do and set up an economy where we just set up, people just get $15,000 a year and then the world's run on computers and now no one works. I think my like final takeaway from this, I read this book, I probably mentioned it before, I don't even know if I'm getting the title right. It's talking to strangers, talking with strangers. Actually, it's literally right there. I think we've talked about this book before. Talking to strangers. Talking yeah. To strangers. It's Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. And it literally tells us how FBI agents, like counterintelligence FBI agents that are trained to like look at the visual cues of a human, like the tone of their voice, influx, pauses, like body language. They can analyze everything after being taught for years on years on years in training about how to analyze these different bodily functions. But, and guess what? A computer can do that too. They can analyze yeah. every bodily function, the tone of your voice, the pauses, and these people still get it wrong. And they're probably the closest thing we have to a computer when it comes to analyzing human behavior. And they still get it wrong. So I think that there's like a human component that's mixed in an emotional component, like knowing someone in the past, knowing their past behaviors, like there's so many different factors that go into it that you can only really understand like through human emotion and through like seeing it through a subjective lens as opposed to just trying to see it through an objective lens. Like there's something to subjectivity that computers I don't think will ever be able to master. Nor do I think humans will ever be able to master it, but I think that humans are better at looking through a subjective lens than a computer can. Yeah. My final takeaway is it's the execution afterwards that matters. That's where we draw the line. A computer can analyze the data, but it won't execute afterwards with it. A person does that. And I think that's going to be that way for a long time. Yeah. And with that. <laughs> and with that, thank you for listening to us today. Share with a friend if uh, you think they should learn something that we've talked about or... Avoid a pyramid scheme, perhaps? Avoid pyramid schemes. Um, share with a friend. I don't want anyone invested in a pyramid scheme. I don't want anyone to start one. I, I don't want anyone to buy anything from someone who says they're an entrepreneur online. I absolutely hate that. I can't stress that enough. <laughs> we will talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in.